Turton for season two of season two. Uh, Mental Health Cast. He's been away for a little while. I've been, uh, yeah, been a bit under the weather mentally for the last five months or so. You know, Helen's been away and busy and stuff. Um, and yeah, I guess that's a story for another day. But uh, the main reason we're here <laughs> is. Um, Alexa, yeah, we've, 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 we've had, had mainly started chatting about um, um, about yeah, being di- diagnosed with bipolar as kind of as, as an adult. Is that the? Well, it's your story, yeah. You're being very polite about it. I was very drunk, and I, was, I came up to it? you at Chantel's thing, and I was like, "I love your podcast," oh, and you were like, "You should talk in it," and that was, uh, yeah, you're being very. Very sweet about it, but no, it was very <laughs> abrasive. <laughs> I, I didn't find it abrasive at uh, all. I mean, I was like, oh, cool. I'm, <laughs> me and Helen make a thing and people listen to it. That's great, you know? Yeah, it's like, nice to know that when you've um, created something, people courage. actually seem to want to listen to it and this, um, it's making a little bit of a difference in some way. Well, especially with mental yeah. health, because there's so many people that still just think it's, like, not a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... um. There was. I was more talking about the Facebook message, but you're like, hey, you know, like let's let's let, let's let's do this. Yeah. Well, I was umming and ahhing for a while yeah. because you, yeah, because you were like, you should come and talk about it. Yeah. And for yeah, for it took me so long to message you and be like, yes, I want to talk about this. Yeah. In a public forum, I needed some. I don't know. I needed to think about it for a while yeah. and really think about what I wanted to talk about and if I wanted to talk about it so in the end I just bit the bullet I was like I'm gonna go in and ask this guy to do it welcome welcome thanks for having me and you know thanks thanks for coming and sharing um so where where do do you want to start oh okay um we could tell us a little bit so, about yourself if you want, as like a little bit of a um, an introduction to Alexa. Like, where are you from? Um. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, I was just like, um, you, you, you. Know. <laughs> yeah. So you know, your name's Alexa. That's yeah. Nice, that's a nice name. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, it's Greek. Okay. Uh, not Greek personally, but do love Greek delicacies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So basically. I well, I moved to Melbourne a year ago. Okay. Um, I was diagnosed as bipolar. I was diagnosed as bipolar a year ago, but it took me a while to accept the diagnosis. And I think everyone's experienced that when you're first diagnosed with something, you kind of it, you're quite taken aback by it, and you want to you don't know what it means. I didn't know what it meant. I think my first foray into bipolar was when I was fourteen. I worked. I worked at a uh, with a Uh, art collective and this woman she was kind of in her 40s and she was the leader of this art collective and she sat me down the first day it was work experience and she said to me hey I've got bipolar and I didn't really know what it meant I didn't think much of it but looking back now I can see a lot of her behaviors 
were akin to someone's bipolar. Like, she was very funny. Everyone loved being around her. She would go days without sleeping and just stay up making art. And, like, she was kind of like the Pied Piper. Like, she, she just had this magnetic energy that everyone was attracted to and people would be drawn to. Okay. Um, but then also hearing stories about her being really depressed sometimes. And when I was 17, I was having a hard time and she, like, pulled me aside and, like, showed me all these scars that she had had. And, and so kind of that was the first person I'd met who was open about being di- <clears throat> diagnosed as bipolar. Yeah. But also she was an artist. And I think in art communities, mental illness is something that is commonplace somewhat. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah we've, we've definitely so. we touched on that a couple of podcasts <clears throat> yeah. ago where it definitely seems to... Like, <laughs> Running yeah. the family. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to correlate, creat- definitely. Creat- creativity and, um, and, and mental illness, you know, or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so, or, yeah, and, um, and I wonder, I was actually, this is a side note, I was reading about, I was trying to see if there was any information about if at art schools they have more facilities for mental illness and mental illness help than other universities, just because artists do tend to struggle with it a bit more but I don't know um so yeah I've been the way I was diagnosed was because I was reading about bipolar and how with just like mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar and BPD all the stuff it's um more diagnosed within your early 20s because when you're in high school when you're a child it's harder to diagnose so there were elements where there were times when since I was I can remember since six or seven years old being really depressed Mm. and being really or being really happy and I just kind of boiled it down to um my personality and they were like oh like Alexa's kind of moody today like let's just leave her alone Mm. yeah um I could identify with sorry mm, if I can identify with that as well um and Rose, who we had on, who got she was diagnosed with ADHD, and I think yeah. she was like thirty or something. It's like yeah, like when when you're that age, that age, <clears> like the it's either like you know like I, you know, kids will be kids, or you know, here's Ritalin. <laughs> yeah, we'll stuff, just give know, them a like, band aid. Yeah, especially like youth thing, and also like the you know mental health sciences are kind of pretty young. I guess. There's something about the, definitely something about the age there as well, I think. Um, I mean, I, I, my, uh, my younger sister um, is bipolar as well. I, don't, I remember when she was younger that she was having these manic and depressive episodes and it was, for me, just like, oh my God, like she's such a pain in the ass, like my little sister, like I don't understand, I wasn't really understanding it. I was mm. just seeing it as like, hey, I'm a moody teenager too. <laughs> yeah. Like mm. I get it. And I didn't because I didn't understand that she had this like illness that no one was, she hadn't been diagnosed with it. It took her until her mid-twenties to get diagnosed. Mm. Um, mm. And it's, it's like a, it seems like a really common pattern. It's like you just don't see it when you're younger. You just see that she would be either bouncing off the walls, <clears throat> kind of driving you crazy, or she'd be, like, really moody and angry and there was no talking to her. And just... It, it can be really, like, difficult for even the people closest to you, like your family and your sister, to not even notice that there's a problem. You just see it as being a teenager. Um yeah. yeah, totally. And I totally think that, um, yes, when I was growing up, I would definitely... And I think when you're a teenager, especially, you know, you feel everything so intensely. Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeling everything for the first time. So it's... And I think as a bipolar teenager, it's like, not only are you feeling things intensely, but you're feeling things 100% more intensely than 
everyone else Mm. and it can be really isolating and really alienating in a strange way I guess being a part of the art community from such a young age gave me the tools to deal with mental illness because I was around people who were feeling things more intensely that I could relate to. Do you think also it gave you tools to be able to express it? Mm. I think that's something that I've noticed with um, anyone that I've spoken to that has depression and is in the arts it's a really good tool to be able to express yourself when you are having really low episodes. I definitely write better when I'm sad. Like, I know that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, kinda, the, I, I'm the opposite. Me I, too. I just, if I'm... There's not, nothing makes me happier than producing something creative and having it out there. Yeah. But when I'm down... I can't. Just, it just shuts yeah, off. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, whatever valve... Mm. <laughs> you know, it is that lets me, you know, make things or write things or you know come up with ideas is just I think it's more like less of a sharing platform but more of a way of dealing with emotion is for me to write just like a train of thought kind of thing a lot of people a lot of people have that poetry usually yeah okay yeah there was a quote like I love Fiona Apple and she talks about there was an interview and this interviewer asked her do you have to be sad to write good music and she said no like, I, yes, I, I write when I'm angry, when I have something that I need to get off my chest. But if I want to write something good, like, I'd rather be happy. Mm. But also she says, which is really funny, she's like, if I'm having a good time, she's a musician, if I'm having a really good time, why would I sit and write at the piano? Like, mm. why would I do that? Like, I want to I wanna hang out with people and not be on my own. Yeah, actually, but actually enjoy has, that time. Well, Everyone I, has different... I think it also depends on the art making that you do, whether the art making you do is social or not. Like, mm. especially with writing, I feel like my brain works when I'm happier. When Same. I'm depressed, yeah. When I'm depressed, my brain doesn't mm. work. And that's the most heartbreaking thing about depression mm. is that the most heartbreaking thing about depression is not enjoying the stuff that you usually enjoy. Yeah. So sitting at a Word document and being like, I love writing so much, but I can't even look at a word right Just now. Just looking at that blinking cursor. Yes. Oh, I can, yeah, okay. Or, like, or looking at a sentence and yeah. being like, this sentence, I can't even read right now. Like, who, who, I can't what comprehend. Is, what is this? Yeah. yeah this no, I think, like, there's, there's something about being able to use some art or some level <clears throat> of writing or something as an outlet, but I don't think that... Um, if I want to write a story or if I'm writing a screenplay, there is no way in hell I'm writing that when I'm depressed. No way. Yeah. But yeah. if I, I think there are certain ways that you can occasionally use um, writing or even music or art in any way that you want to put it as a way mm. of kind of um, expressing what you're feeling. Not every time, and it depends on what level you're at, obviously, as well. I mean, like, sometimes if you're catatonic and can't get out of bed, like, put doing anything, but mm. I think that sometimes it can be helpful, which I think is maybe another reason why so many people in the arts are... Um, you know, good at writing about depression. Mm. It's like I don't, it's almost like which came first. Yeah, yeah, It is paradoxical because I mean, like I, yeah. I put like shameless plug. I put I released an album like two weeks ago. Yeah, and I'll we, endorse it. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the majority of the work on it was done when I did feel good. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like it's like retrospectively, it's like okay, how did that feel then? And try and put that into the music, but like. Well, they say that um, one of the treatments of depression is. I was reading about this the other day. It's doing the action of. So even if you just can't get out of bed um, to do, like I do sewing as well, even though I couldn't even bear to pick up a needle, just doing the action of it, just 
physically doing it mm. like gets you out of that. I feel for me getting out of my most recent slump was just being like, Alexa, I know what you're feeling and it's shit and I hate that you're feeling this way, but also get up your ass and go to university today and sit in a lecture and just pretend to be interested. Mm. And just repeating that really got me out of it. Just kind of holding my own hand and being like, look, like I get what you're feeling Mm. and it's shitty, but let's do something else today. I like that you said that actually, that um, (laughs) holding your own hand and sort of like almost like having an actual word with yourself. Like Mm. like being kind to yourself is like a really hard thing, but also a really... Difficult it, thing to do when you're really difficult thing to do when you're depressed because yeah. you're kind of hating yourself and your life and everything about it. But it's, if you can actually find some level of compassion for yourself and like tell yourself that it's going to get better, it can make a huge difference. And it's nice that you can do that. Like I really liked hearing that. Mm. Yeah, and also like I remember, I think breakups have previously been very traumatic for me. But also I think that looking back on it, I can see the reason why they're traumatic is because some of my relationships have been traumatic and ex- mm. and like understanding that that wasn't a healthy relationship or that wasn't a healthy thing and that not only was I dealing with a breakup. Um, it just started raining, which I think is one of those, um, what's it called? In a, I should know this, but in film, when it starts, it starts raining when you're talking about something sad and the weather kind of matches the mood. There's a really specific word for it. Pathos? Yeah, so I think that's what happened. Yeah. Let, let us know if it gets too much time. We'll um, no worries, it's all good. Yeah. Um, can I open this door? No, it's okay. We've got a little ventilator, so that's all right. Um, what was I saying? Um, I was saying something really good. About relationships. Yeah, so, yeah, so going back to that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so experiencing the breakup very intensely, not being medicated. Mm. Um, I remember one of my breakups, I was just so catatonic. Like, I was in this room, this box, in. I was living in Israel at the time. And mm. in a foreign country, my support system, I didn't have much of a support system there. And I was just in this room and I remember so clearly there were these bars like in my bedroom window, there were these bars. So it was like my bed and then just like a window behind it and these bars. And it was in the heat of summer. So it was July in the Middle East. It's You don't want to be Mm-mm. there and you don't want to be depressed during summer. Bars, like that's, how like symbolic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So symbolic like, and the sun. In, and in, I, your, in your own kind of, not, pri- like not, not prison, prison of your own making, like it's your fault or whatever but your own personal like a physical cell yeah and like you know dirty sheets messy room like not looking after myself eating a meal a day like just Mm. not being good to me and the sun like came through the window and and I every morning I woke up with this sun because the curtains didn't close properly and I remember just telling myself like one day I'll be able to like experience that even if I feel the worst right now I know one day I'll be able to like be outside and experience what that sun feels like and get past this. And whenever I'm sad or depressed, I always make sure I can see that sun. And last year, one of my close friends, she was really upset and really depressed. She had had a couple of traumatic experiences. And I went to her house one day and she was in bed and she said to me, Alexa, like, what makes you want to live? Like, honestly, she was serious. She was like, why like what makes you get up every day and I just said to her like I just look at the sky (laughs) as cheesy as it sounds I just said I just look at the sun and I'm like whatever works yeah I'm like I know one day I'll be able to experience that even if it's not today at least the sun will always be there no matter what Mm. and that consistency 
And that consistency, I think, within being a hippie, like within nature as well, it's like, especially when you're depressed, you feel so inconsistent and you feel so unbalanced. But just knowing that there are things that will never change, like the sun will rise every day. It'll set every we, day we and you can, yeah, but you can like hold on to that <laughs> yeah. knowledge. When I, yeah, that's I know. A, that is a constant. Similar. So it's, that's my little spiel. <laughs> it's nice. I, think I, I have done something similar. I think that when I've, especially because I'm um, originally from England and I've um, traveled a fair bit, mm. ended up in Melbourne. I think that especially if you're feeling sad and isolated and pushed away from people that you feel like you don't have a support system for some reason I always look for the moon because it always seems mm. to be the same it's it's always there I mean the sun not so much you don't really want to stare directly at that but at night <laughs> when you like when you're not sleeping very well or you're just kind of like feeling a bit strange you kind of I do find it really comforting to kind of look at the moon and say it's, it's the same sky everywhere I go it's the same sky same moon same stars I'm still here it's like a really nice way to think about things so I, I get I get the sun thing yeah, yeah. it makes me sound pretty fucked up but my that is the internet the internet mm. yeah well, internet's always been there for me well, not <laughs> YouTube always, um hello yeah <laughs> yeah well for Streaming me and whatnot. <laughs> Netflix nah <laughs> piracy all the way I'll happily admit that and fuck Netflix <gasps> Um, <laughs> oh, wait a day, whatever. I guess it's kind of cool, with, look, like, in terms of media and what media means to our generation now. I guess I could talk about Charmed and how I used to be really into Charmed. Hey, you want to see my tattoo? I'm not going to... No, no you're not. You're not. Seriously. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be the podcast. <laughs> the moment Alexa saw a charm tattoo and lost her shit. Oh, I yeah. want this recorded for life. Reaction video. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> so for everyone listening, she just showed me a hectic charm tattoo and I lost my shit. <laughs> it's the charmed and also Led Zeppelin because it's the same symbol. Yeah, so I, I saw that on both. the wall and I was yeah. like, I know that's a charm symbol. I feel real bad about seeing that as a charm symbol. No, it is. It's both. But yeah. My little sister who I mentioned before was kind of obsessed with um, with charmed as well. So it's mm. kind of like um, my dad was obsessed with Led Zeppelin. My little sister was obsessed with charmed. So Paganism. it's kind of. It's, it's both that's amazing well like also also side note like how soon is now like the theme song of yeah Charm. Like when, when I heard yeah. the Smith song I was like this is a cover of the Charm theme song maybe this can be your song at the end of the podcast you, know, you have to pick a song at the end I didn't know out. that yeah maybe maybe just consider <gasps> that one <laughs> uh, over, you know. I would say that's Fiona right. Apple but it can be either. since you brought it up we'll do both <laughs> stop I'll, it I'll find a hard style mashup of the two I'm literally going to yeah. start crying. <laughs> like, I thought I was going to start crying about sexual assault, but I'm crying because of Charmed. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I, think there, I think there's a beauty in that. Because, um, mm. like, if you don't mind me kind of, like, skipping forward a time. Like, um, <clears throat> so with, how did the diagnosis kind of oh, yeah. come about? Like, Yeah, well, it's so I, I remember for me it was like, yeah, I started dating someone. She was a mental health nurse, and she's Amazing. like, she's like, uh, you pretty clearly have uh, um, some things that uh, need to be looked at. And I resisted quite some time, and eventually, you know, went and sort of psych and uh, to meditate, and you know, I started to make but lifestyle so, changes and stuff. But it's yeah. so powerful that you're able to do that. I think a lot of men identified people, not not gendering but i, I, I think I, I don't. in, I'm, I'm, in yeah, male culture yeah, just definitely yeah like, but yeah. yeah in male culture a lot of men um have a hard time accepting that like yeah i i've met a lot of men who that came up because of relationships they've had yeah um 
Because that is yeah. a, that is a tester. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you've got especially un, un, if someone unresol- you care about, if you've got unresolved mm. mental stuff, like mental issues, it for me at least it comes out in relationship because totally. it's when you're most vulnerable. It's yes. when you know you have people <clears> relying <throat> on you for certain things and vice versa, and. Yeah, for me, it's like, you know, that's, that's when I'm like, okay, shit, you know, either, you know, like, I'm making it hard for me, or them, or I've hurt someone, or just not functioning properly, it's like, okay, yep, yeah, cool. And okay. that, yeah, and yeah. that's the scariest thing about relationships, which I'm quite weary of, like, I think, yeah, like, being diagnosed bipolar was because mm. of relationships, like, one of my first real real like deep relationship um I was having like a manic episode when we were together because I was so in love with him Mm. and for a bipolar person to be in love unmedicated is like taking five tabs of ecstasy every single day for like six months like I was just like bouncing because I was like so in love with him I've been on the other side like dated someone bipolar who was oh yeah didn't really take the medication what was it like because I don't, because, yeah, because he really struggled with it, Ed, but I don't, I couldn't sympathize with him at the time. He mm. would be like, calm down, Alex, and I would get really offended and I really never, angry. I, I never said that. Ah. Yeah. Uh, but I want, yeah, I just Just because I've like gone through my own side. stuff, like, even if I, if mm. I was anxious and someone told me to calm down, tell me to fuck myself, pretty much. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no fair. But it, it was more just, just, like, partying yeah. too, it was like I was partying too much. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, like, hypersexuality was something that was very difficult. Mm. Um, and yeah. to the point where I would be at work and I would, like, have to... Even if I wasn't hanging out with him that day, I would, like, have to go home because hypersexuality is a symptom of bipolar where you just, like... There's this Charmed episode which they have all the seven sins and they all get hit with, like, a sin. So one of the sins is lust, which mm. is Phoebe, and she just... I don't know if you've seen the episode, but... She just has to have sex all the time. It's all she can think about to the point where, like, she gets in trouble. Like, she's almost killed by a guy because she just, like, wants to... He's, like, a policeman who's been hit with the anger sin. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a good metaphor. But okay. when I try and explain to people what it's like to have bipolar, it's like being hit with all seven sins at once. And it's so... It's so difficult. Um, and that was really painful physically as well. Because mm. my body would ache as well. Anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, that was really hard. And so, then after that relationship broke up, I was really depressed about it. Lowest low I've been. One of the lowest lows I've been in. Yeah. And then... So, then that happened... And it was also difficult experiencing something like that and not knowing what was going on, he not knowing what was going on, obviously him still caring about me but just not knowing how to help me. Um, yeah, because they can't. So, yeah. If someone hasn't been through it, it's... <clears throat> I mean, he had his own how, issues. How could you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. And it's amazing to think that 60 years ago when bipolar people didn't know it existed, people were living like this. And having relationships like this, and they were just like there's this woman called Frances Farmer. Yeah. So she, you know, she's has had bipolar, but because the system didn't know what to do with her, she was just hospitalized and, you know, electroshock treatment. And I'm just so glad to exist at a time. No lobotomy, hopefully. Yeah, she did. She (laughs) lost. Yeah, she lost lost everything. Yeah. And I'm so glad to live at a time where there is help for people like me. Mm. Whereas 60 years ago, I'd probably been locked up. Mm. I think most of us would have been at some point. 
Like, whether it's um, eating disorders or depression, it's just, like, six years ago, I don't have a fucking clue how to deal with mental health issues. Like, I'd say that we are quite lucky to live in the time that we are in now. However, I really hope that the stigma attached to it will also start disappearing in, you know, yeah. future decades. I've, I've actually never thought about that. I've always just been, like... Well, maybe especially when, it, when, it, when, it, when, like, either, like... When, when, like, two or more things, like, if I'm heavily depressed, super anxious... And also, like, ADD is playing up. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, fuck, what yeah, do I like, do? Yeah, it's, like, almost, like, not I mean? functioning. And I just, like, never take into account. It's like, oh, well, if this was 60 years ago or whatever, then... ECT for you. <laughs> put me well, in a cannon and shoot me into the ocean or something, <laughs> you know? Like, but, yeah, that, that is something. Yeah, that's... I think that's... Because I, I, I love the idea <laughs> of finding something to be grateful for, mm. you know? Like, but, yeah. So, I, so, that, so that kind of led to you... Going, not trying to put words in your mouth, but that did that. So that that kind of. No, there were more. So I got back. So that was when I was traveling, and then I got back to Australia. Um, I moved to Melbourne, and I was stoked about moving to Melbourne. Like I was having a sick time, and I was like, <laughs> "Passes behind me. <laughs> I'm a single woman in the city. I'm 19. I'm having a wild time." And I met all these amazing people, and who are still my close friends. Um, who I love so much and they've just been there for me like the great humans Melbourne's really good for that (laughs) so good for that (laughs) and especially yeah I couldn't have picked a better city to come to so some good people here yeah but can be triggering for someone the inner north yeah yeah, through and through Um, even but can be triggering for someone with bipolar because because there's something on every night there's something to go to so what I was doing is I was going to uni and then working at a bar at night and then partying all week, going to u- but still going to uni and still doing all my work, but just being on it all the time for three months. I didn't have one day for three months where I just lay in bed, did nothing. There's so much stuff. Gotta give yourself like, downtime. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely learned that lesson this year, but... Which, I mean, feels so, like... Like, not really a thing to complain about, but, like... Yeah, but for some, like, I was wanting a bit for me. Yeah, but like, when I was when I was saying it, I felt like a bit a bit of a twit. I get, I guess, oh. like it's like like first world problems. You know? It's like, oh <laughs> yeah, my god, there's so, too much to so do. many good like good bands on, or you, you know, like everyone's just too like, nice. It's just yeah. too triggering. Like yeah. so much love to it's, give. It's hard for people who are like dealing with some kind of a mental illness. Mm. It's like you mm. have to remember that you can't function. On, you can't be high functioning every single day. Mm. Yes, you've got to give yourself downtime, or you will make yourself sick. And you, you, yeah. you have to learn that. I mean, I had to learn that. Yeah, I think we all have yeah. to learn that you can't do it every single day. I need, you, I, need I need that hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty hours of downtime a week. Yeah, I know you do. Mm. Yeah. Like, otherwise, I'm just. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I totally, yeah, I totally get that. Um, it, but yeah, so then I went back to home. I went back to Sydney um, within three months of being in Melbourne. So it was probably this was like from January till about. And I was also doing drugs as well. I was doing like mm. ex partying drugs and whatever, having a good time, drinking a lot. And then went back home and it was I was at my parents' house and it was the first time where I had no stimuli but was still fanging. Like mm. I was still like boom, like on my computer writing. If I wasn't writing, I was drinking like a bottle of red a day. Like it was ridiculous. And keeping that momentum up. Yeah, I was like, I have to. And I would just go to bars or and like. Escapism or something? Yeah. Like just kind of keeping you. Self- I just wanted to stay on it. I yeah, just didn't okay. want to get. Also, because I knew I'd just come out of a depression episode, right? So yeah. I was like, I want to stay as high as possible because 
I don't want to be low. Yeah. Mm. So I went, so I would like go to bars and like meet people. And so, yeah. And within that time, I think it was Mercury retrograde actually also, but um, like, and then all this shit happened with like my ex-boyfriend and a lot of traumatic things started happening and like drugs got more intense I was meeting more people who wanted to like give me coke and stuff and I was like I've never done it before and yeah and it just like it just yeah but it just exploded like there was just a lot of really traumatic things that started happening back Mm. home sorry yeah it's okay (laughs) it was difficult but it was a growing time Mm. drugs are not always sustainable that's something it's like as much fun as they are like there's there's only so long that you can stay on the up and that's not just with drugs Mm. I guess it's also I guess true of the manic episode mm. it's only so long you can stay high and like eventually there has to be a down yeah like, i think that's true like, if any kind of like hit. long stretches of taking drugs like i've been through like it was like a year and a half of doing it almost constantly and eventually you, the, the come down hits and it is fucking hard like you can't it's, sustain that you anymore. don't want to ex- yeah. yeah so then yeah so it but and also what was going on was traumatic things were happening but i wasn't getting depressed like i was still happy which is really weird um yeah and so then I went back to Melbourne and in Melbourne I was like okay I'm out of that world in Sydney like that's behind me and I just got really sick I was pretty glad to have had the support I did in Melbourne like I was homeless and some people some friends of mine took me into their warehouse and were like just stay here live here we'll look after you and I think they could tell there was something up with me but you mean like sick like upstairs, yeah like upstairs yeah yeah so they could tell that there was stuff going on and I just had a real rough period and they mm. were like she just needs a calm space to just be looked after and make art and just be around supportive People. It's mm. amazing that you found something like that. It's really yeah, good. that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So even I though found I that was in this sick, very house, actually, that's amazing. When I, when I didn't have a place to stay, I cast you for a couple of months and yeah, got back on my feet. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just need someone to hold your hand and be like, um, "We're just going to look after you." Mm. So yeah, and also there was stuff going on in their lives, but that's a different story. But mm. anyway, so then and that was it. And then I went back home. So I was there for like, this was like second half of last year, got a house, had a really amazing time, like got to live with my best friend in this beautiful warehouse and it it was awesome. And then I went back home to Sydney like later last, and then I hit like a depression, like November. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't get out of bed, like could not move, like couldn't talk to anyone, couldn't. And it was so, I felt sick every day. And then I went, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> so then I went back home to Sydney and my parents knew what was going on. And you only really get help when you're depressed. You mm. don't really want to get you help on, when you're happy. You want any medication at this point? Or is no, this, no so I was still unmedicated. Yeah, yeah, still unmedicated. And then it took me a while to want to accept that I needed to get medication. Mm. And my mom... Had, had the, like, had you seen any... Any psychs or whatever, and the idea being floated, like, hey, yeah, we think maybe. you have this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I had, a, I've had a psychologist in Sydney since I was sixteen. The same yeah. woman, and she's fucking so great. And also because she'd known me for so long, she mm. could tell when I was having having episodes. So early in the year, when I was in Sydney, she said to me, "Hey, I think you might be bipolar. Mm. Just an idea." And then I, she, and then I got a professional in Sydney, and I saw him when I was manic, and he's like, "Yeah, you're probably bipolar." 
um, didn't want to believe him. I was like, I'm having a great time. I might be bipolar, but whatever. And then, and then, yeah. And then I saw like, I was going on a family holiday and I was just so sick. I couldn't, I was in South Africa with my family and it was amazing. It's an amazing place, but Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't be with my family. And when I got back to Sydney, I was like, all right, I have to do this. I have to get on the meds and go back to school. So then, um, I, yeah, I went to hospital right. for a week Yeah, and I got to, and that was cool. Cause I got to see, Just like, I got like, to like inpatient. Like yeah. Inpatient. And I got to, I didn't need inpatient. My psych was like, you don't need it. You just need meds. And I was like, no, nah, I want to go. I want to see what other people are like who have what I have mm. and I want to learn about it. And that's what I learned. Like I saw people, I saw people my own age, like girls who had been having electric shock treatment since they were 13 with schizophrenia, hearing voices and just, just having coffee with them and reading to them and just experience learning about what the mental illness world is. Mm. And it was my first and hopefully only time in hospital. But for them, it was like their fifth and sixth and they knew everyone there. Mm. So like a, a, a peer group. In a yeah. Sense, you know? like, yeah. Did that, did that uh, so. f- forgive me if it's a subject, mm. that, did that kind of help, I guess, normalize it for you or at least um, bring some kind of bit more of, ex- of acceptance within yourself? Like, Yeah, I think so. And I think um, in mental hospitals, there's this idea where you kind of want to think that you don't belong there. Right, so like, like everyone I've got else, my shit together way better than these people do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone else is meant to be here. I'm only here for a couple of days. I'm, I'm not. Just, I'm just a visitor. I'm just a visitor. You don't want to accept you're just as sick as they are. Yeah. Mm. Um. And uh, yeah, but there was this woman there, and she was so lovely. Like I met her the first day. She had a room opposite me, and she was like about mid thirties. Um, from like Cronulla, from the suburbs, long oily grey hair that she just loved like she would just like brush her she was so proud of her mane but it was so rank like it needed to be cut off but I, like I can admit, I can admit. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> she was just like so proud of it and um she was so nice and the day I arrived she like held my hand and she's like you know you're good and like she's so welcoming and loving that's good um, to have like a like a, a grounding but yeah. we were sitting in group and she said my husband just this is kind of trigger warning. Mm-hmm. Just saying. We'll put, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll trigger this warning is a trigger episode. warning with um, like violence and death. But mm-hmm. um, her husband got drunk and rammed his children into a pole Whoa. in a car. And so she lost her whole family. Yeah. That's, they died. They all yeah, died. That's, except her. Because wow. she was at home. That's horrible. He was an alcoholic. And she just came, like, she just started, like, bawling her eyes out she's like I don't have anyone like I've just got my mom my mom has to go to a home and just completely and it was after hearing her story and seeing how loving and like amazing she could be like she is I realized okay like these people are dealing I haven't lost family I haven't lost children Mm. I'm just you know a little bit like I've just got bipolar but meeting her and that and hearing her story and hearing everyone's stories, like, I was like, all right, like, this is bigger than me. Mm. And people need to talk about this shit because I don't want to go to a mental hospital to hear these stories, you know? Yeah. And people can so. people can have it treated, mm. you know, and, you know, learn coping mechanisms and... 
Yeah, but what made me so angry about the mental health system was, I don't know if you've experienced this, but they'll just, like, give you a pamphlet and they'll be like, (laughs) here are some hobbies, you know? What are your hobbies that you love to do? Let's talk about that. And I'm like, why would you... Like, that's so insensitive. I think Australia is very bad at this um, in particular. I think... I I don't want to segue too much into um, my own stuff, but I... um, I Always always on about England. (laughs) Always on about England. The motherland. I had a um, pretty serious eating disorder, and um, something I remember about being in England and being treated with that is that they were unwilling to help me, despite the fact that I was very sick and Mm. fainting all the time, and I was, like, just generally just not well... And when we're going into a doctor and just like asking and like begging them, like, please help me. And they were like, your BMI isn't low enough, so I can't help you. You're not technically anorexic. Mm. Mm. And it was like, and in, in Australia, I think I read this earlier, it's like there's only 37 hospital beds um, designated for treating people with anorexia in the whole of Australia. Wow. 37 for the whole of Australia. And it's something that affects one in 10 or possibly more people. Not just women, obviously, it's men as well, but mm. it's more diagnosed in women. Um, oh but that's God. it for the whole of Australia. We're and talking. more, you know, like systemically and so Yeah, absolutely. And... I mean, like, there's people who, like, you know, will need severe help and need hospitalisation and they don't have the beds. beds. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I... it, it, it just it makes you so angry and frustrated with the <clears throat> mental health system. Um, not to segue um, from the bipolar no, but story, it's so but it's, it's something that's really they're, ties they're, into that. They're, they're linked, you know. Yeah. Like, especially, yeah. Especially if you're going if you're public, which, you know, like... You don't really have much of a choice to of the kind of public and, here. And also, yeah. talking about public healthcare system, I'm lucky that I have a support system and I'm in a financial position that I can get help and mm. pay for medication and mm. go to the professionals I need. If I didn't have that, I would have to wait months. Yeah. Months. Yeah. The waiting lists the, are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I am on the waiting list. To see someone. Oh. I hope, hopefully by the time I get it, I just won't need it. But like... That makes me so angry. And well, also... I, I, I've been patiented, like, in my bed <laughs> for the last couple of months, you know? You're around, you're around support. You're around, like, good energy, so... I have my laptop. <laughs> I got internet. <laughs> laptop and Valium. That's <laughs> all you need. But, um... Yeah. To the two pillars of, like... <laughs> but when I, uh, when I went to hospital... When I was having a manic episode um, in my in Melbourne um, one night, I just like I was at the warehouse and I was so sick and I just said I can't I have to go to hospital like I cannot see tomorrow like I literally am like so gone mm. I weighed like ten kilos lighter than I am now like it was fucked and um, when I went to hospital my friend paid for the Uber Ooh. and I walked in waited and the guy looked at me and he's like. You're not sick enough. You're not sick enough to... From looking at you. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He's like, um, he, like I told him my story. I told him what was going on. I was having a panic attack. And he's like, no. Like, here's a pamphlet. That's Here so are some fun. psychs you should call. It's like, you're not Dr. House. You can't just... <laughs> here's what you've got. Snap, like, savant, genius. Like, No, it's not fair. But it's not, it's not even... He'd just be like... He's like, you've got makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would, I'm like, have you met a bipolar person? They dress the best of anyone. Like, it probably would have been like they literally didn't have a bed. Or some, some, that obviously that's yeah. idle speculation, but like, yeah, oh, just like so the, infuriating. The public health care system. <laughs> so that, many times, it's just like I, I may as well have fucking stayed at home. You know, mm. like gone yeah. and Wait, the wait list for so. psychologists if you can't afford to pay for one is horrendous. I mean, I'm talking about mm. experience in England. I mean, I've always paid for them here because I've luckily had the. I've had a job and had the capability of being able to do that in England I wasn't so lucky 
and I was mm. on the NHS there and it was just impossible that you would wait months and months and months to get in to try and see a psychologist or you would pay a lot of money like a third of your paycheck would go to seeing a psychologist once a week yeah. like it's, it's a lot yeah, yeah, um, yeah my, my ADD guy is like 400 bucks a pop yeah. yeah oh my god yeah there's this girl called um, uh, I can't remember her name but she did that thing on Facebook where she posted how much money her healthcare costed over a year mm like 50,000 something ridiculous it's, it's huge yeah. yeah and it, yeah and it, yeah I don't know that just get your just parents makes to buy your house <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah any other I, questions <laughs> yeah I'm kind of curious about um, if you don't mind talking about it the um, med- medication oh. process um, speaking only from the experience I've got which is with my little sister I know it took her something like three years to get the right combination of meds to actually treat the bipolar because it, it's like any kind of depression really where you have to find the right one that works for you and there's all these kind of side effects and things that just don't work with you and it can be like a really difficult journey to find something that Mm. works Mm. um I'd like to hear like your take on that if you've got one I do well I um I used to when I was getting depressed in high school they would give me like antidepressants and I would take them for like a little bit and I was like no cannot makes things worse yeah I've I've had that experience or Every single one I've ever taken has just been like... Just makes you feel yeah. so weird. Yeah. That's a normal thing for the start of any... If, if you're severely depressed and you start taking antidepressants, I think that even on the box it will say, like, may cause suicidal thoughts. Yeah, it's something that, like, I'm so in, in worried the, about that. If you're so, oh, great, yeah, that's... Yeah. If, you're, if you're incredibly cool. sick, it will make it worse for a little while. That's definitely a thing. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I... So, yeah, um, I mean, at the moment I'm taking lithium... Two two fifty in the morning, two fifty at night. Apparently that's a low Mood dose. Stabilizer? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's yeah. a low dose. I've been taking it since January. Um and I ha- I'm waiting on my results for my blood test, but I feel pretty okay. I think it helped me get out of my depression and mm. I feel pretty stable, although I I feel pretty happy. And it's the first time I felt happy since my manic episode, so I'm mm. a little bit worried that like yeah. You know what I fear. mean? Yeah. I don't want to get too happy. Like, I'm worried that if I feel Calm happy, then... the storm then... or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... no, I know what you mean. Because I'm on... Yeah. I'm on Epilim. Um, I was on Epilim. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, think, I don't... Yeah, you don't, I don't know. I can't, you don't know. I can't even remember what it was like before, because I've been on this for, like, three months. You know, <laughs> like, so... Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, I don't... I think... I mean, that saying, feeling happy, I'm just worried about, like, when I'll hit a wall one day. And especially entering a new relationship at the moment, it's weird for me because I'm just, like, waiting. He's an amazing, supportive, kind person. And I'm so grateful for him. But, like, I am worried that, you know, if the relationship ends one day, like, how I'll deal with it. I think that's normal of every relationship. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, yeah. No, it's it's the same, like, dealing with with depression, having had depression that's been triggered by, um, you know, bad relationships or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's, like, something that you always fear when you are in a relationship. Like, how is it going to be if this ends? ends? It's, like, you're scared to be vulnerable. And there's definitely that thing as well as, like, having recovered as far as anyone can recover from depression the knowledge of it will it can come back it's almost like a recovery from cancer it's like yeah it's gone for now but it could always come back and there's always that feeling of like okay i'm feeling happy and then the happiness or the calmness makes you nervous you become like afraid of the calmness you're like what does this mean does this mean like where i got so used to having these like incredibly damaging thoughts and thought cycles and then it's like okay so now i'm feeling calm 
but how long for? Like, when's it gonna? When's when's the storm the penny coming gonna again? Drop. Yeah. Mm. Like. There's this um, woman I heard talk. I posted it on Facebook because um, I do post a lot on Facebook. Uh, and that I, I, man. Don't, I, don't, I don't mind a cheeky post. Anything, you know? <laughs> um, An update from time to time. Yeah, a little update. And she did a. She posted about. She talked about um, like depression being a frenemy. Mm. That will always be there. Like even yeah. though she's okay now, it's like her frenemy that. That's just she's learnt to accept, which I think is an interesting way of looking at it. It's given. It's so, given me. Uh, I don't think I would have the level of compassion for other people. Mm, that true. I don't think I ever would have been able to reach it just by going through that kind of stuff. So I think that's one thing that kind of springs to mind. But like, yeah, we've actually talked. I've touched on that before a couple of times. With the idea that anxiety um and depression they mm. they do create something that can be quite beautiful like it allows you to have like an empathy for other people and a kindness and mm. an understanding that i don't think i had before yeah um, instant rapport sometimes with yeah too. it's like yeah. oh you're on that i'm on that or i've been on that i think that's how we like, made friends yeah, <laughs> we actually did now we yeah. live together you know? yeah <laughs> that's so funny it's kind of funny that you say that because i feel like that when i meet other jews yeah and maybe it's because of the history of oppression we have because it's like when you mean another Jew, it's like, oh, so everyone in the world hates us. Me too. Like <laughs> you and me both, buddy. Like <laughs> So yeah, trauma. Bonding through trauma. Yeah. But um but yeah, so Definitely um, a double edged sword, but Yeah. But like going back to the whole thing about also, yeah, meeting people who are accepting of mental health issues, like mm. My new partner, I was so worried to tell him that I had bipolar. There's this scene in Magnolia. Have you seen Magnolia? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, it's so good. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Mm. They talk about mental health in it, and this girl, like, it's on her first... She like, has a date with this guy, and she says to him straight up, like, I'm worried you're going to find things about me and you're not going to want to be with me anymore. Like, I know that you think I'm pretty and stuff, but, like you know I've got stuff and you know I don't want you to find this about me and then not want to be with Mm. me Mm. and I said this to him and he was like well what do you mean like what kind of stuff and I was like well I've got bipolar and he was like oh so how many Alexas do I got to get to know now Mm. and like (laughs) this is a really cute like accepting little thing and I was like okay so this person doesn't look at me any differently yeah. because he knows that I have this which is nice I've, I've kind of just like I've come to the realization that I have a long way to go before it is <clears throat> before it, before it stops being irresponsible to get into a relationship like mm. just like unresolved yeah. like childhood trauma which uh, manifests in like insecure and narcissistic ways which I'm only just realizing and getting therapy for like mm. yeah so I'm just like nope. I'm just mm. I'm just single for a good long time, and, and I think that's healthy. That is you so know what healthy. I mean, like yeah. I don't want to get into any kind of I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to get into anything fucking codependent. Like, yeah, like. And I think it happens when it needs to happen. Like last year, I was meeting a lot of amazing people, but I just couldn't. I they were not healthy relationships, and I couldn't understand why. And I realized because I wasn't healthy. Mm. Mm. So how can how, I? How can they be? How can I be in a functional relationship if I'm not functional yeah. as a yeah. person on my own? Yeah. You know, and I think that's when people get in dangerous relationships when that is that you know. And it's so easy to. So do, easy. It's like it? a little drug. You know, it's like um, it's like oh, okay, you know, like yeah, I've got these short, I've got these shortcomings, and or I can just like put all my eggs in this basket with this person. Mm. 
and it's so unfair to them and it's hard it's you, just gonna fucking explode at some point you can't not yeah. become at least on some level tangled up in someone else's life when you are in a relationship with them <clears> there's <throat> no way of like Absolutely. forming these solid boundaries and lines and stuff because they always get tangled up and blurred the more you get to know someone and the more you become vulnerable with each other mm. and i think that that's just like part of the fear and like almost acceptance that you have to have if you want to be in a relationship course, yeah. and i think it's it's nice that you want to find some way of working on yourself before you do that because I think it's good, going to be good for your own well-being. But oh yeah, like I'm I don't not... think I, I, I think I don't think for a second that there's not someone that would find that about you and accept it. I agree, but I I still wouldn't. What? I just I just I, I, I just feel like I've got a really long way to go that's only become apparent uh, recently, mm. and and I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also about like self-learning. It's like how can you really be there for someone else and be a stable force in their life when you're not that yeah. for yourself? Yeah, fair. I, I, I mean, I definitely miss like hugs. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people like obviously like people hug need to miss and stuff. Like, <laughs> you'll yeah. better hug yourself now. <laughs> my, my, Boy. My, my, my pillow, my pillow hugging game is getting pretty strong. Um, <laughs> Um, no, but like, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't yeah. even see that as something that's bad. I see it as nah, like, it's, it's healthy. Good. It's what like, you saying before, like, hold your own hand, have a bit of love for yourself. Mm, it's yeah. nice. Yeah. And I that, think that's what I need. It's, that's what I've been putting off just, for 30 years, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I think when you realize that you can be your own stableness in your own life, I think, especially when I was younger, I was looking for stability in relationships that weren't stable and getting upset yeah. at myself for that. But once you can realise you're always going to be there for yourself and acknowledge that, I think yeah. that's really powerful. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's the time when you find a healthy relationship, I think, is mm. when you are capable of looking after yourself. Like, when you don't need it, yes. it'll be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why this relationship has come up when it has, because it's the first time in, like, two years where I've really just had my, like, relatively shit together. Like, I've got mm. good supportive friends. I've got my art and my uni, like, so you know it's just on top of that medicated somewhat and medicated yeah and medicated as well like if i wasn't medicated i don't know how i would be able to have any functional relationship like you know romantic or not like i've had so many friends come and go in my life because i've been unmedicated that you know yeah same like i had a friend yeah the other day uh, i hope they don't listen to this but if they do like no if they listen to it that's fine like, you know, they've been messaging me for a bit and I hadn't been replying. And they're mm. like, look, maybe we can't be friends anymore. I feel like you've been cold to me for a couple of years. And I was just like, look, man, like, i got a lot going on. If you yeah. can't deal with that, then, yeah, maybe Ladies. you're right, you know? And I was, like, look, I was like, we've been friends for a long time. Like, I've got a lot of love for you, but that's just me. And if you can't accept that, then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, I totally relate. I think, you know, not even relationships, but even like friendships being, I've only just now being able to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just now being able to be open. Yeah, yeah, but like being able to be open about being bipolar with my close friends, Mm. which is something I'm still getting used to. Like I do drop it in every now and again and I'm just like slyly waiting for them to be like, like, can you not? Like, can you go? But I haven't gotten that. And that's really cool. And I think unique about Melbourne is that you can be open about mental health issues Mm. health issues and people aren't gonna be prejudiced towards you I think in certain areas definitely I mean like I I would say that where we are in this little um north side bubble is really nice Mm. a lot of very liberal open-minded people a lot of creative people lowercase l yeah yeah (laughs) 
Um, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But, yeah, um, I mean, like, it's the kind of thing where I don't think I have really have any friends who don't have mm. some kind of... Yeah. Some kind of mental health thing. Sure, so it's what you, it's what you bond over, I think. Yeah, I mean, true. I, think that, I don't think I know... I don't think I actually know anybody that doesn't have at least some kind of a mental yeah. health issue. It's, it's hard to find someone that would be fit into the bracket of what people would consider normal in this yeah. day and age. I think it's really hard Dude. to find anybody that's, like, normal. It took me 29 years to even get, like, to get my mother, you know, to a yeah. level of understanding, understanding about what I actually have. Mm. And, you know, if... It's kind of as fucked as it sounds. If she wants to be a part of my life, she has to what, what I what I what I need. Mm. You know what I mean from her. It's like, and it, I think especially know. with mental illness, it's so hard to tell. Sometimes you just it's like annoying to have to explain to people mm. what your needs are. Um, and I think families is like a whole another kettle of fish. Sometimes. Like we are able to choose our family and the people that we want to be friends with. Yeah, yeah. when it you know family's different. Like. Especially with my family, mental illness in our family is something that is still kind of backwards. Like, my mom, when she found out I was diagnosed, was like, all right, you can't tell anyone. Um, She's like, you can't. I remember so, like, no living, comment. sitting in the GP, my mom being there, because my mom loves going to the GP with me, even now. Mm. So I was sit with her in the GP, family doctor, and he's like, all right, you've got bipolar, we're going to sort you out. And mom was like, but what about telling people? She's not allowed to tell people. And he was like, well, if people are going to judge her, they're not her friends. Mm. And my mom just looked at me and looked at him and was like, all right. And like, (laughs) yeah. And like, I don't know. That's a pretty quick heel turn. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's cool being able to. But I mean, not to to reference myself, Mm. uh, just because I said it like half an hour ago, but like, yeah. Um, Oh, fuck, I can't even remember. I'll edit that out because I sound foolish. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'll leave it in there. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm human, he- all right? Yeah, I'm I he- get brain blanks. Because I'm heavily medicated and sometimes I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but I feel like I had a good point. Damn it. I'm trying to remember anything you said half an hour ago, but the conversation's just like flown yeah. so well, it's kind of hard to remember what half an hour ago was. Well, you've yeah. got like a little notepad, so if you need any pointers. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I, 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 I had a... Because um, when, whenever we get somewhere in where we're kind of, to a certain extent, focusing on, you know, one condition or, you know, one mm. facet of mental health, um, well, something we set out to do was, like, to, to educate as well, you know? Like, if... So my, well, question, my question would mm. be if, like, if... If someone knows someone who has mental, sorry, who has bipolar, or, or meets someone who has bipolar, like, what would I what, want? Yeah, what what, what, what do you think are things that they need to they need to know? Like, oh, wow, I've never I, thought of that. Yeah, before. Sorry, sorry, like to spring yeah. it, but like you, you know, like what if, do I if, want if I could tell people stuff about bipolar? What would yeah, I want like, them to know? Well, like, what it's I, like I to have like, bipolar? If somebody or? if somebody was going to meet me and they they could be handed a pamphlet. And they could just like, okay, cool. This is how I not be a complete prick and ostracized. It's oh, amazing. How should people approach um, meeting someone with bipolar or getting to know someone with bipolar and not be a complete prick about it? Like, what's the, what's the things that people shouldn't say? And what's the things that were more yeah. helpful to you? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, what's like... Well, I'd like to segue this into a community talk as well. But um, what I would like to say... Yeah. I think that people should be uh, accepting and not judgmental and um not yeah just not judgmental and just be like 
take people at face value and be like, okay, maybe you're a little bit, um, cause one aspect of bipolar is like, you know, like it's really funny. Um, is like when I was like Googling people with bipolar, it's like all the crazy bitches on, in the media have bipolar. <laughs> like, I mean, like not, what not you, in like a negative you, way, but like mean? in a cool way, like Azalea Banks, Okay. like, you know, like those women who just Courtney Love, like really out outspoken not negative like women who have opinions and talk about them and are very strong within and have strong convictions that in the media are labeled as crazy Mm -hmm. have bipolar so kind of like utilize that in in a a good way like in in an empowering way way. this is me i have a strong personality fucking deal with it because yeah i think that especially one symptoms of bipolar is talking a lot having and getting angry very quickly so azalea banks is a good example because Mm. she started off when with her twitter account she would talk about black issues that were important but all the time which is fine and if you watch her speak she talks very quickly she's very passionate she's very aggressive which is really quite educated very educated and very well spoken and she's bipolar you can tell because those are all bipolar like things just Mm. being very quick thinking and having always something to talk about Mm. that you have to talk about right now um and so when I was getting angry, especially when I was seeing a lot of injustice in the music community in Sydney, and I was posting a lot about it on Facebook, people were like, shut up, like, why are you saying this? Like, you have, you're crazy, like, mm. you're deluded. Like, mm. you know, just like being so, really so negative. And, and it's like, no, like sometimes, yes, these people, maybe they're saying things you don't wanna hear, but they're also saying things that are important and that need to be told. And not to just label someone as being crazy or being insane because... Yeah, I wonder how this ties into... Because those specific words as well. Yeah, like, I hate what, those what, words. What's, what's, what's the point of them? You know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'm happy to self-identify yeah. as that when it suits my purpose. Yeah. But don't, like, stigmatise it. The, there's way more of a, a gender difference when it comes mm. to, like, oh, crazy bitch. Or, I was just going to say that as well. Cra- I think this is something to do yeah. with the feminism like, aspect of this is totally. sort of, like, people don't like hearing strong women speak. It, it's no, they don't. Like they don't like to hear people women being opinionated because women shouldn't be opinionated according to the media, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like that definitely does tie into that a little bit with like the yeah. whole you know you don't want to hear strong women speak about stuff. It's kind of a definitely like a gender issue. I think it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah there's definitely like there's definitely a heavily like gendered aspect to it. Like, I think I mean, like on face value, I'm you know if you look at me, I'm a straight white man. You know what I mean. Mm they get listened to mm. yes yes generally speaking <laughs> it was actually really funny i've been having a lot of discussions about this recently um especially on my uni page um there's a uni page and some and it's a boys club my university because it's like quite science orientated mm. so like girls will post about feminism and we'll just have like i've been finding myself just like arguing with these guys who are trying to mansplain feminism in the female oh. experience and i'm like <laughs> can you just shut up like just shut your mouth just shut shut no like, shut the, the, the like, time now is for you to not. listen not to try and make your voice the dominant one it's good to be involved mm. in a discussion but your voice doesn't need to be the one that's overpowering everybody else's when the conversation is feminism you need to listen like, but do you know what upsets me the most is when girls just when girls with internalized misogyny speak for men yeah out of the men experience like today i posted on facebook about i was like um, it's two. It's 2016. Can cis white men just realize their opinions aren't relevant anymore? <laughs> and like, one of my friends, I love her, but she commented being like, 
you can't silence the majority or something like this. And I was like, mm. girl, not the point. You're my problematic fave. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, will, I, will, yeah. I will admit I was like, follow through. <laughs> I, 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 I clicked like, follow through. <laughs> I want to see get, the, get, where get, this like, conversation goes. I did. It was interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, going back to listening, like I used to be... Uh, obviously, obviously, of course, still learning, you know. Like, mm, yeah. So, but it's just I, I want I yeah. want I want to be you know like a better ally and less of a you know a dick and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the, I was, the big thing that like the revelation was like just shut up and listen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all you got to do. Like you uh, don't. Yeah, you just have to. Not in a negative way, but it's just like like I'm a white privileged woman until I'm like yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and not take it personal yeah. yeah and so if a co- woman of color who comes from a different background to me who's indigenous you know has something to say I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because I don't I can't even begin to understand what her experience would be right you know it's and about listening it's about knowing when to listen and I think that's a problem that a lot of um <clears throat> I mean I know that you and I are, are privileged and I'm not going to die that for one second but I yeah. think that uh, for privileged men the issue is that they always always will have a platform to speak always there's never a, a time when they're told to shut up or they get things mansplained to them so that's never true. the case and this is something that I think that men have to realize is that when there is a platform where it's important for like people who are generally a little bit more marginalized like this is their platform to speak you need to be quiet and your voice can be can be in there but it can't be the dominant one and it's about like listening just fucking listening like, yeah and understanding. it's actually yeah, yeah and also not taking your experience and upping it over someone else's like right. i know i have mental health issues and obviously F- right and them. everyone's got their yeah. own stuff and we can all have our platform to speak when it's valid mm. but i wouldn't dream of taking my experience and using that over someone else's Mm-mm. like i wouldn't be like hey i'm a jewish girl and that be you know one up over someone else and it was really interesting um there was this race to the bottom yeah i saw this girl on um sorry this female identified person um post on facebook and they were like uh it was uh beyonce just come out with formation Mm. and she had done this post and it started out really good she was like all right i know we're all talking about beyonce's formation and i should share this but i think that because i can't sympathize with the black woman's experience we should all watch this documentary about what it's like to be a trans woman because this is what i experience and this is more like akin to my experience and i was like did you just white privilege this like did you just say that a black woman's experience is less valid than yours like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're both valid, but it really upset me. Yeah, they're separate, of and course. they shouldn't like, be compared. Yeah, and I like, think female compar- comparativeness, like, female stories mm-hmm. shouldn't be compared to each other at all. They're no. all valid like, within leave, their own world. Leave, like, yeah. leave that issue, listen mm. to it, pay attention to it, you know, and this, your issue... Yeah. That's, that's separate. They yeah. Can, they can both... They, they can they're both, both issues. They're, they're, both, they're both valid. They yeah. Can, they can both be listened to, you know? So like, and like, I think um, especially, like, with guys, especially men who are male-identified people who have mental health issues, I'm so for that. Mm. You know, mm. I want to hear the stories, what what it feels like to go through that, because I know it sucks. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, like, misogyny hurts everybody and it hurts men too. Mm. That I'm not... So, like, I, yeah. I, would, I, would, I, would, I would happily say that. Like, I think that, totally. that's, that is the case. But, again, just because... 
you are also part of this like you, you may be aware of this you may be like, okay like misogyny fucking sucks the patriarchy fucking sucks it's not a good thing for us to be living like this and men are hurt by it too however yeah. your story is still separate from someone that's constantly marginalized by the patriarchy and you need to totally uh, again understand it and be aware of how it affects everybody's lives but then know when it's the right time to discuss your story and when it's the right time to let someone else talk about theirs and get a platform for it Mm. Yeah, I find I yeah. do find it hard to have sympathy for like CS alpha males as well. It's like yes, mm. you, you are affected by the patriarchy, but fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, All I, right. I, 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 and I have the privilege of passing for, mm. you know, uh, a cis dude. You yeah. Know? Like I, that's not what I identify as, but like I don't get street harassment or you mm. know, any of the things that would come with being gen- that usually come with being genderqueer. I think it's so important that men... I think it's so cool when men can see that, though. Mm. Like, I had an experience a couple of nights ago. I was on Sydney Road with my boyfriend, and we were walking down the road, and we went and got... We got kebabs at 8 o'clock at night. Like, are we are we okay? No, I was, I was just checking the oh, okay. volume. We got kebabs, and we were... Um, Sorry, yeah. We got kebabs and, like, this guy, literally, I had an open shirt. I was a bit drunk, but whatever. I had an open shirt and it's just, you know, that jumpsuit that you have that just every girl has and it's, like, your titties just come out. Like, no mm. matter what. It's just, like, that one top that you just have to, like, Wardrobe watch out for. Wardrobe every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we were, so I was sitting there and I had this ridiculous jumpsuit on and this guy literally walked. He was, we thought we, he was getting kebab. He walked in front of us and stood and just stared at my boobs. Wow. Just stared. Jesus. Shamelessly. Oh, I'm and so then, angry. No, no, it, get this. <laughs> looked up at me. Oh. I look at him and I realize what's going on. And I'm about to say something and he just walks off. And my boyfriend saw and he was like, that's fucked up. Like, did you just, I was like, I saw that. And then another guy, like a guy kind of jacked up on drugs or whatever, comes in, like does the same thing. And we're like, all right, we're done. We had to get a cab home. And I was like, my house is around the corner. I couldn't even walk home with my partner like a cis male yeah it's it's hard like, I, I don't feel and I, I don't want to like sort of like go on about it too much but I never feel comfortable walking home at night on Brunswick Street mm. um, especially on Friday and Saturday nights like I cannot count the number of times oh that men have yelled at me out of vans stopped me in the street yelled at me on yeah, the street I have some it's almost it's like that, everybody yeah. has it and it's just that thing of like I mean it's almost tiresome to talk about it because it happens so fucking much and it's not that I feel unsafe necessarily but I feel incredibly violated by it and like I'm not it makes me uncomfortable not unsafe but uncomfortable and like that's like a constant level of being always uncomfortable on my fucking road like I live just off Brunswick Street Mm. I live on the corner of you know Mm. St George's Road it's not we live close enough to there yeah yeah, it's like it's it's a two minute walk (laughs) everyone doesn't need to know where we live live. (laughs) (laughs) have some decorum not to to cut you off no no it's fine I'm I'm just mean like this is so but that's kind I of give a perspective, like, this is on my, this is my fucking road, this is my backyard, yeah. I shouldn't be feeling this uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I live really close to where Jill Ma got murdered. Mm. Like, I live around the corner. And I go, I walk past that spot where it happened every single day. I walk mm-hmm. past that spot. And yeah. there, and also what's kind of really interesting now that I think of it is that when you think about all these plaques that are around for men, you know, those plaques of, like, look how amazing this man is, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing to bronze, point out that that's where this happens. Statues of like some there's AFL no player. fucking. There are no flowers. There yeah, is, where, where, there's where, where, no where's little the park that says, "Here's like a real fucked up thing that happened." Yeah. It still is like happening all it. the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make a. Po- now I think about. It. I'm just gonna stick it up my way home. 
Because like, and then, and then yeah. sort of like I walk past this spot every single day. Mm. Like that's the kind of thing that needs to be on there. Like this is mm. like this is where this happened. I walk past this every single day. Be aware of this. This is not like this is something that's in the back of every woman's head every single time that they're walking down the street alone, and every, especially every time they walk past this spot. Like, don't forget it. Yeah, yeah, do not. And also, like, and also, like, a couple weeks ago, like, weather station, like, one of the stations, I get a woman got, like, almost raped. And um, these, like, some guys, like, some people came and helped her and saved her, essentially. And this guy got caught. That's but what if he didn't get caught? What would have happened? You know? Mm. Just happened. There were some joggers that were just around the corner that just, you know, saw her. Mm. Anyway, but also like going back to the misogyny thing, like what really upsets me the most and tying back to mental health and stuff or is when women don't support other women, especially other women being um, open about abuse and right. Yes. Yeah. And when women aren't supporting that, like when I was going through last year with coming out about the abuse of my ex-boyfriend in Sydney, who was in the community when I came out about it, I was so ready for, like, all my girls to, like, back me up and everyone. I didn't, I don't give a fuck what men think. Like, I don't, if a man's cool with me, like, sweet. But if women um, are seeing this happening and hearing about these stories and not saying anything, that is what upsets me the most. That right. When they're, like, when they contribute to the silencing of women. And again, it's just, like, the institutionalized yeah. misogyny. Yeah. And, like, women well. that yeah. I trusted and loved and, and identified as feminists and had fucking feminist movements... I'm not going to say the movement in Sydney that's like very powerful and like very well known and they're like really promoting women in the art scene which is cool but these these women um when a fellow woman in the community came out they weren't there Mm. like that shit that shit riles me yeah well it riles me too to be honest (laughs) it's really upsetting to think that um you it's upsetting anyway the fact that the way that it works um, if you are abused or attacked or anything happens to you, for you to come out, it's not, okay, how can we help you? How can we support you? Mm. It's, what were you wearing, though? Were you yes. drunk? Like, and when women say person? that it's as like, well. Yeah, it's like, did you ask for it? Like, you know, did you lead him on? All this stuff is like the stuff that comes out instead of, all right, we're here for you, we've got you back, how can we help? Like, how can we support you through this? It's the immediate assumption that as a woman you did something wrong, that you you weren't pure enough or something, you know? Totally. And yeah. exactly, yeah. And when I, like, I've got herpes. Mm-hmm. And when I came out about, and also I w- like to, I want to remove the stigma of herpes because one yeah. of three people have it and it's like a they total do. thing. They do. It's just like a really insane thing. I remember like about this it. the other day. Like, apparently yeah. just like, it's, it's something that almost everybody has, but they still insist that women who have herpes should probably have a cesarean instead of like giving childbirth naturally because it's still so stigmatized even though it affects nothing and like most women have it yeah totally (laughs) it's absolutely insane and when i told my family that i had it they were like they got yeah it was bad Mm. they were like where you been what you been doing and i'm like you know what i mean when it was like when sex workers started you know wanting to use condoms and you know all that stuff in the 1800s when they had to get like um he- like sexual health checks against their will mm. because just because they were a, pros- a sex worker mm. sorry different terms different centuries but because mm. they were a sex worker um they were automatically were thought to be impure or dirty or something you know right. they know what they're doing yeah, <laughs> like this is their time. job like they know how to look after themselves also, like the 50s as well when um, women started to get the contraceptive pill and mm. like they would get lectures from their doctors about not being promiscuous because they had the ability to be 
and it was like don't don't like to sully your reputation by going on this pill it's not it's not meant for that it's like oh, i was God. actually reading something about <laughs> the pill like the other day about how on the pill um you get like a fake period and the only reason why that exists is because when the pill was coming out catholic um men the catholic church was like uh if this exists we have to like keep periods happening so women for some reason, um, you don't need to have a period. It's a fake period when you're on the pill. Yeah, it's like the, the sugar pill that yeah, kind of... Yeah, you don't need yeah. to have it. You just need to be on it because a fake period doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change anything. Mm. Um, it's just to, like, preempt this, like, idea of womanhood or whatever. Mm. Um, or Catholic guilt. Catholic guilt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, you can't you can't get off scot-free, mate. you got to yeah. bleed. Yeah, yeah, Bitch yeah. got you, bleed. You, you're, still, you're still unclean. You're still unclear. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're not fooling me, honey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, is also, like, talking about the morning after pill, because um, I have to <coughs> take it. And I was reading, like, what I also love about female-dominated spaces on the internet, like female groups, um, is, like, the ability that you can just, like, send in a question and you just get all these answers from all these girls going through the same thing as mm-hmm. you. So the other day I posted about it and I was like, can you explain to me the morning after pill? Mm. And they were like, yeah, you can literally take as many as you need. Like, it's not going to fuck your body up. Like, the doctors tell you, like, it's, well, some, yeah. you know, like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be used like, to replace the contraceptive pill because the contraceptive pill generally yeah. has, like, a lower dosage of hormones over a steadier amount of time. Yeah, but it's whereas, not like, gonna... there's a much higher concentration of hormones in the uh, morning after pill, but it's still not unsafe. Like, yeah. I have a conversations with people before and they're like, oh, you can only take maybe two of them a year or something, I think, because they're really bad for you. And I'm like, what? No. Where did you get this idea from? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, and also going back to, I guess, the abuse thing, like Amber Heard coming out about Johnny Depp's abuse yeah, is yeah. so cool because he is one of the, I read a thing today on the internet, it's like he is the most, one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And the fact that someone is talking about him being an abuser is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, that we have, that as women, we Which can do that now. Happen, yeah. Oh, it definitely yeah. should have happened, but it's... Um, the sorry, fact is that she no, can no, be supportive. I, I it's, it's more that um, that she can be supportive and have that capability to come out and talk about it, where she wouldn't right. have had to do. She wouldn't have been able to do that twenty years ago. Because it is happening, yeah, far, like, a lot so more often. You know, like yeah. James Dean, fucking, yeah. yeah, on and on and on and on and on. And the whole like, Kesha thing as well. Yeah, like, like, oh my yeah, god, you know, all, yes. all these, all these powerful men. It's like, really, is this, is this? Is this what the system is? Yeah, like, so it's just, just like the power and the abuse and stuff. It's just so sickening. It's yeah. like that you can have that level of, I don't know, um, power in a community or like in Hollywood or in a music industry and somehow just abuse it and abuse women through it. It's just kind of disgusting. Yeah, totally. Um, makes me very sad. Um, so were there any other questions you wanted to ask me? Um, no. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, well, I guess I kind of talked about everything, like communities, abuse in communities that people don't talk about. Mm. I think that's very important. Mm. Um, prejudice against mental health, stigmatization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think also the idea of like, de- yeah, I don't know. And also ending on a lighter note in terms of just being grateful for the supportive communities that we have in Melbourne mm-hmm. that, um, people might take for granted I very much appreciate and I kind of I think that 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 should not be overlooked that that even though we're talking about these horrible people and horrible things that are going on there is a haven and there are accepting people around that want to hear these stories right 
And so thank and you. Yeah, definitely. Especially compared to rural Being areas grateful. or like countries that aren't like first world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or even first world countries that still have fucked up like views on things like um, Ireland and the abortion laws that they've got. That's kind of messed up. Very sad. Russia, yeah. (laughs) But also like, and I think also I kind of want to tie this now that I think of it in the Jewish community because remember because we were saying before about people who have their shit together. Like Mm. I've got a couple family connections to some families that are like on the outside just very perfect. Like you know picket fence puppy dog like everyone's so happy good for them yeah good for them um but also did that sound sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) no i do mean good for them that is that's great you know like but what i think but but the thing is is about these communities is that i think there's this emphasis it's very traditional of keeping this conservative take on things and I think that when it comes to issues like mental health and trans and gay issues they're not really being discussed and I can see and I have a friend who's really amazing and I'll name him um Nev Zuzan I think Nev is how he says his name um so I've known him since um we met at school camp like when we were like 13 or 14 like Jew camp and we oh, lost so you, contact you are, you are sorry kind of, you are speaking specifically, specifically about this, Jewish cultural yeah So he's amazing. Um, But when we met, he identified as a woman, a lesbian woman. And we kind of lost touch because I I lived in Sydney and he lived here. And I've been seeing him at like all these events and he's talking about the trans experience at all these events in the community. And it's so cool to see a Jewish trans person come out and talk about, not only talk about like what it's like to be a trans person, but to be a trans, like a trans Jewish, like, person is amazing and incredibly um brave and incredibly yeah. powerful to, and i think probably quite empowering to be able to do something like that like i'm really um i'm really happy that they want to do that yeah i can speak about it yeah and yeah. they live in the jewish community like my community here isn't i'm not part of the jewish community here so we really appreciate kind of seeing each other out and being like hey like we're the both the only jews in the like at the gig and yeah. it's really cool and he's and what i love about him because he's still tied in with the community is that he's getting a lot of jews on board with trans issues and coming to all these events and it's really nice to see like a jewish representation in the creative community which historically i've experienced hasn't been particularly kind to jews or mm-hmm. welcoming to jewish um representation so I just want to shout out to Nev for being a sick dude. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Nev. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Well, um, yeah. Do we want to wrap up? Yeah. Do a little wrap up. Do a little wrap up. All so right. do we have to wrap? <laughs> no. No, but you can. Because I can you, rap. You can do that as your like your outro song if you want. If you want to do a rap for us. <laughs> oh, can I do a rap song but also have the charm theme song play? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um. So this is uh, a rap from. This is my uh, Kevin G rap from Mean Girls. Go ahead. Oh, you suck and seems like a nothing from me from a grade to my rhymes can't touch Kevin G. I'm a mathlete, so nerd is a third, but forget what you heard, because I'm James Bond third. Just shake and not start again before. The G assignment I think you don't make love to a woman on the bathroom floor. Um oh, make love to a woman on the bathroom floor. I don't shake it like Shaggy because you know it was me. The next time you see her, she'd be like, oh Kevin G. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
very nice, very nice. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I guess, I guess with that, was, uh, <laughs> that's, I th- think. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you so podcast. much for coming and talking to us, and for rapping with us, and for Th- just, thanks, thanks, yeah. for sh- thanks for sharing first and foremost. You know. Yeah. Um, thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me talk for an hour. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, well, a, a pleasure. <laughs> an, 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 absolute, an absolute pleasure because we, ha- we we haven't we haven't been able to yeah we haven't we haven't touched on on bipolar in the past and yeah and yeah because I if, yeah heard you guys if like, more people can listen it. to to that and just you know one chip at a time destigmatize things and stuff and that's that, that's great so yeah thank you thank you well yeah I mean one thing when I came out when I found out bipolar I was looking on the internet as you do mm. to find out and I couldn't find anyone talking about any women who are talking about what it was like to be bipolar in the media, so it's cool, like, being able to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Thank it's you, great. guys. Thank yeah. you. Cool. A pleasure. All right, well. And scene. <laughs> Mental health cast out. I let the beast in too soon I don't know how to lift up my head Let's go to fight I'm always in still But darling, it's so sweet Just to think you know how crazy How crazy I am You should say you don't spook easy You wanna go, but I know And I pray that's the world Fast as you can, baby Run free yourself up As fast as you can Disapprove you have a faith that's gonna make So if you got me trying to find my way into your heart from under your skin Fast as you can, baby, scratch me out, free yourself fast as you
Yeah, I'm 